Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? He said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest, greatest and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Now while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them these questions. What do you think of the Messiah? Whose son is he? They said to him, the son of David. He said to them, how is it then that David by the Spirit calls him Lord, saying, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If David thus called him Lord, how can he be his son? No one was able to give him an answer, nor from that day did anyone dare to ask him another question. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Please pray with me. Lord God, thank you for bringing us here together today to worship you. We pray that you would uh, abide powerfully here with us now, Lord, that your spirit would fall upon us, Lord, that your words would come from my mouth, Lord, and that you would speak to our hearts. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. It is so good to see you all today. Uh, I was just cleaning out a filing cabinet the other day in my office, and I came upon a big stack of manuals, or owner's manuals. I love these things. Don't you guys? Yeah, because they're cool because they tell you all the ways to repair them sometimes, or troubleshoot them, or put them together, or how to use them correctly. And that's good stuff, right? You can't argue with that. But the thing is, there's two different classifications of them I found when I was digging through them. One is, you know, the, you got my little fire extinguisher. That's a, that's a keeper, right? You want to know how to use that thing. Then you've got the in-sink aerator, electronic air cleaner for a furnace, bathroom exhaust. I mean, come on. If you didn't know how to throw the switch, you've got to read this manual. There's all these ones that we're using right now. They're still present in the rectory, right? And so they're really helpful manuals. But then there's group two, right? And the first one is the Richdale Irritrol. I don't know what that is. I thought it was something to do with um, irritation control, but it's actually irrigation stuff, so it's not quite as helpful as I thought. And we don't own this anymore. This Irritrol irrigation thing is not, we don't have it. Neither do we have the Kenmore Top Mount refrigerator anymore. Or the... GE furnace or air conditioning, I don't know. It's got 24,000 to 48,000 nominal BTUH, though. Uh, but we don't have that, right? So if I read these manuals and apply them to my life, the second group, how much will that help me? What if I follow steps A to Z? Is that helpful? Why? Because I don't have the equipment anymore, right? I don't have this appliance Right, no matter how much I read about keeping that refrigerator working optimally, 
if I don't have the refrigerator, does it do me much good? No, it's a waste of time, isn't it? I've just wasted my time, and I could have been reading about something that I do actually have. Something like that was going on in the New Testament times as well. In our gospel passage for today, we have uh, Jesus' encounter with the Pharisees. Tell me about these Pharisees. Who are they? They're the usual suspects, right? I mean, we see them a lot in the New Testament. They're, Jesus is always going head-to-head with these guys. And, yeah, they're, they're um, leaders in the church. They are, um, what else about them? They're not in the church, obviously, um, in the synagogue. Um, what else do we know about them? Are they kind of lowlifes, or are they uh, spiritually cool? They're cool, right? They're like the high-powered uh, spiritual people. They are like, if you had a spiritual meter, they would be like beyond red line. I mean, they are just like that good spiritually. They do everything right. Uh, when they pray, their prayers are perfect, perfectly crafted. They move your heart. They just sound just right. They've got all the right lingo. They can quote scripture. They are the epitome of perfection when it comes to um, how to live out a life according to the law. That is what they are good at. And so needless to say, because they hold this like top of the food chain rank in spiritual stuff, no one can stand up to them spiritually until Jesus came into town. Jesus is not afraid of them, and he could not be outsmarted or out spiritualed by them. Uh, That's a new word. Uh, Check your dictionary. It'll show up soon. Uh, And so this led to many confrontations because as like the top of the spiritual food chain, you think they wanted to give up that position? No, that was like their niche and they did not want to give that thing up. And so they kept trying to confront Jesus. They kept trying to catch him. They kept trying to beat him in a battle of wills and, and of minds. And they had heard recently, as our passage says, how Jesus had taken down their sometimes enemies, the Sadducees, who were the cultural elite of the time. And so they thought, the Pharisees thought, that they could succeed where others had failed. And so they did what any smart group of people did. They got a lawyer, right? And they get the lawyer to ask the question of Jesus. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? They thought they had Jesus nailed with this question. It's like the unanswerable question. When I was in high school, the unanswerable question was, who would win in a fight, a polar bear or a great white shark? Right? You know, it has so many variables and contexts. I'm sure you all wrestled with this in your life. Is this not a question you guys asked of yourself? Oh, man. I thought that was like the question of the ages. But no, for them, for the Pharisees, this was the question, right? Which commandment in the law is the greatest? Which is the best one? Which is the most important one? And they all had different answers. There was one school that said circumcision. Because circumcision uh, was the commandment that brought you into the covenant community. Right? So they thought that was the best one because... um, that brought you in there. The others, uh, some others said the Sabbath, because that was one of the first things that we see in the scriptures is God taking a Sabbath right after he creates the world in six days. Uh, others said sacrifices, because those make you right with God. And so they had these competing arguments, everyone buttressed up by scripture, about which of the commandments was the greatest. And so they thought that no one could ever answer that question sufficiently. Because to answer that one was the greatest 
would diminish the other commandments. And so they thought that if Jesus answered anything, they were going to automatically choose the other position and try to rally the crowd against him. They thought they could expose him as a fraud and that they would be able to keep their hard-fought position as the top of the Jewish spiritual chain. Unfortunately, in order, and uh, quoting a classic line from the movie Princess Bride, you fell victim to one of the classic blunders. The most famous is never get involved in a land war in Asia, but only slightly less well-known is never go in against the Sicilian when death is on the line. Now, in the movie, they forget the most important one, which is never get in a battle of wits and spiritual knowledge with the omniscient creator of the universe, right? So if they edited the movie, they'd add that one in first, because that's really the the one you want to avoid, because who's going to win in that? If you were a bookie, what would you put the odds on? Jesus is going to do it, right? He's going to beat you every time, and but... They do it anyway. They go into it. They fall for the classic blunder. And Jesus answers their question and completely stops them in their tracks. The way he does it is classic because Jesus uses a line that the Jews used twice a day, every day, in their spiritual life to show them that the greatest commandment is loving God. His answer uh, for that question is he uses the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. The answer was in the prayer that was to be central to their lives as Jews. This prayer was supposed to be prayed twice a day, morning and evening. It was the core of their spiritual life was around this prayer, and yet they hadn't seen that this was the answer to their question. So why does this commandment, why does loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, why does it supersede all the others? The reason is, is because it gets to the heart of every commandment. It reveals that all the commandments were about loving God. That is at the very core of every single commandment that's given in the scriptures. To love God is to love what God loves to prioritize what he prioritizes, to care for who he cares for. Thus, if we love God, we love all the other commandments because he does as well. If we don't murder, if we you know, fulfill that commandment, um, does that show that we love all the other commandments? No. What does it show us? That we're not a murderer, right? Well done. That's right. You know, great. A for the day. No murderer. But does that show that you really love the Lord? No, it could be you're not murdering because you never thought of it, or um, it wasn't the right day for you, or, you know, what? it could be all kinds of different reasons, but loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, that fulfills every other commandment, because in loving God, you love the things he loves, and you fulfill the things he desires you to fulfill. If we love, and also it leads us to the second commandment that he gives us, love your neighbor as yourself. This is an outpouring of the first commandment. If we love God, we're called to love those whom God loves and to treat them like ourselves. It's perfectly natural for us to do that. If we try to do the second before the first, we'll find that we're completely insufficient. But if we love God first, he gives us the strength, the ability, and the love to love those around us. 
The obedience to these commandments, though, were a major problem at the time. The Pharisees and the Sadducees and many others had lost track of this first and second commandment, or the greatest commandment. They were obeying the law, or the behavior parts, but they had forgotten to love God and their neighbor. They were giving empty worship to a God they didn't love at all. Basically, they were trying to use a manual to run their lives when they didn't actually own the appliance. They were trying to follow steps A to Z when they didn't even own that thing. They were trying to follow God's law and the scriptures, and yet they didn't even really love God, which was the first and greatest thing that they were called to. And so because of that, they were wasting their lives. They were living their lives according to a manual that they didn't even believe in. Now this sounds completely ridiculous. We would never do things like this, would we? Right? Well, I do. This is the easiest trap in the world to fall into. I think we all struggle in some way or other with this tendency. The desire to do the right thing without the proper motivation behind it. We go through the motions of a Christian life without actually engaging with the God who would des- cause us to focus upon him. I think that's actually why so many people outside the church think that Christianity is all about rule obedience. Have you ever heard that critique? Right? Have you ever heard people describe Christians and they think, oh, that's about living a good life, right? Doing the right things, following the rules, not unsteadling the waters, those kind of things. That's what the world thinks Christianity is all about. And I think the church has given them that, given them that impression because we focus on the rules so much. We focus on the proper attire, the proper behavior, the proper language. And we forget to show them that it all comes from the greatest commandment of loving our Lord God with our heart, soul, and mind. So let's be different. Let's do something different. I'm not saying we should go break the law, right? That's not a good idea. But rather, let's focus again on what we're supposed to focus on. Let's look at the Lord God. Let's recommit to loving him and following him. Let's study our scriptures and see who he is. Let's pray to him and talk to him and work in relationship with him. Because perhaps then, perhaps if we live our lives according to this greatest commandment, then the world will begin to see what God really wants, which is a relationship. The world will begin to see Christians who love God with their heart, soul, and mind. And the behavior follows out of that. Let's be people who love first, who seek the Lord, and who follow him with our heart, soul, and mind. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you so much for refocusing us on what is important. Lord, thank you that you confronted the Pharisees in their pharisaical belief that it's all about what you do and not about what you, who you love. Help us to love you, Lord. Help us to clear away all those peripheral things in our life which has got, have gotten us sidetracked. Help us to focus upon you. Lord, may we spend time this week in your word studying you, studying more about you, that we might know you better. And may we spend time in prayer, Lord, talking to you, getting to know you as our friend as our Savior, as our Redeemer, and as our Lord. 
And we pray that the world would see through this, Lord, that the Christian life is not about the rules, Lord, but about loving you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.